Hello, welcome to Culture Illiterate, a podcast where four friends overthink comic book movies. I am one of your hosts and your main character, Jake, and I am now blanking on what I was going to say as my fun fact. Shit. Come back to me. Don't you- I'm not, yeah, I'm not kidding. Come back to me. I don't remember what I was going to say. It's all your fault, Sean. Oh, I remember now. I remember fault. now. No, he's got it. I got it. I got it. So my fun fact is that I went to a college that had a very severe mumps outbreak. Radical. That's crazy. Imagine going to college. Anyway, I'm- Don't do it, it kids. I'm another host of yours. I'm Jason. Nice to meet you. And, um... Uh, oh, he's fantastic. Looks like oh, I'm not the only one I remember, No, I remember. I, as a child, really wanted an easy-bake oven, but I was too scared to ever ask for one because they were marketed towards girls. And now we know you're a little queer. You know, I always wanted one of those, too. So they had, everything they made looked delicious. Dude, and the girls, the girls looked like they had so much fun in it. Well, oh, of course. Shout out. H- Haley had one. Me and Jason's sister Haley had one. It was very fun. Did she have one? Yeah, Haley had one. She, she never let me it. use it? Really it? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's broken now, but yeah, I'm shout out Haley. I'm gonna kill her. For legal reasons, that's a joke. Well, my name's Matt. Hello. And my fun fact, I am changing it on the fly because Jake brought up college and now I'm pissed. Uh, I, my fun fact is graduation is not free, even though you give colleges like tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, you have to pay for your own cap and gown and then pay to attend graduation and then pay to have your diploma. Fuck that. I don't get like, why would you pay to just like sit in a ceremony for hours? For experience. Experience. No. And if you you can't see it, but I'm doing air quotations right now. Yeah, that's it. A lot of people just don't want to be left out. The only way I would get, and it's still rip off that they do, and it's still folks up that they do that to you. But I think if it's the only way it would make any sense to me is if it's like culturally important to your family for you graduating. Yeah. I get that. I don't care. I can get it too if it's like you're getting like something that's a little bit better than like your bachelor's. Like, if you're getting a doctorate, I'm like, okay, you know what? That kind of makes sense. Not many people do that. I get paying for it in that scenario, but it's still fucked up that they make you. Well, no, no, you shouldn't have to pay for that shit either way. But either way, like, you're going to be a doctor either way, whether you go or not. This is also true. So, yeah, I, I'm Sean. I'm I'm another one of our many hosts. And uh, my fun fact is that Jake's previous fun fact is that his favorite Wobbin is Damien Wayne. My favorite Wobbin is? Wobbin. Um, Wobbin. Yeah, that's true. Ooh-woo. That was my favorite, my previous fun fact before me and matt started ranting about college um so i switched it but true damian wayne is the best robin i'll go to bat for that jake (laughs) sean (laughs) sean no do you also hunt wabbits i'm eating wabbit tonight with you boys i recommend et we saw et this week (laughs) (laughs) 30th anniversary re-release in imax good good shit classic movie i have never seen et before until this and et is so weird you're really oversawing and it's not that weird it's such a strange movie fixated on this one scene where uh people in like astronaut suits just come into the house and he just won't stop talking about that even though there's like another like hour and a half of the movie okay first of all that is weird but there's that's like like a like a single percentage of like the entire film i think et's design is weirder than anything and it's not even that weird it's just weird i don't mean this is an insult because it's a masterfully made movie you know steven spielberg that guy knows what he's doing but it's a pretty run-of-the-mill kids movie like it's yeah. it's nothing crazy it, no it's, it's not what what kids movies were you watching literally the whole time watching that movie i kept thinking to myself like i can't believe this is as popular as it is not because it's bad but just because i was like this is so bizarre like jason the way you're describing it 
it's as if it was common sense, and yet you are in the very minority of the of the opinion of ET. Like, no, I've had people agree with me. First of all, I'm not alone. We in don't this know. They, they live in Canada. They go to a different school. No, it's <laughs> my coworker. You piece of shit. Well, actually, speaking of ET, I've I have another other recommendation. Actually, um book called uh my my best friend's exorcism um et connects me to that because there is a very sad um portion of the book uh it's written by grady hendrix it's a really really wonderful friendship should be a love story friendship story um set in the 80s during like the satanic panic but there is a section where the two best friends meet as young children because one throws a et themed birthday party because she's obsessed with et and nobody shows up and i read it on a train and i cried on the train because that type of shit just makes me cry so easy so please read my best friend's exorcism i also have a recommendation so i am going to recommend an animated show that is currently on its second season on Adult Swim. I am recommending um Gending uh Gendy uh I can't pronounce his last name. Tar Gendy Tartakovsky. Tartovsky, yes. I cause I just keep calling him Gendy because that's what everyone calls him. But yeah, Gendy Tarkovsky's uh Primal is a fantastic uh piece of art that is airing on Adult Swim. It is currently on its second season and it is basically about um basically a caveman and a dinosaur who connect uh basic uh, who are like basically just coming off of fresh tragedies and they basically form a bond together and basically travel the land together and it's it sounds like a kid show but it is one of the goriest animated shows i've ever seen especially on its second season but it's fantastic the characters are simple it's very quiet it it reminds you of samurai jack a little bit especially how like atmospheric it is and how just the world is just so alive and beautiful like you know what i'm talking about sean it seems like you're pretty familiar with this yes i mean i haven't i don't know if i've seen primal yet i feel like i well i feel like i saw the first season but it was like ages ago and i can't remember anything about it and it's something i need to go back and watch because i because we nerded out so much on samurai jack season five that i assumed that you would have seen this by now you know i can throw in the recommendation of samurai jack because oof oh I love it. I know. Season, season five ended a long time ago, but it's still a classic. So please watch it. Fuck you, bitches. I just thought of another wreck. I, well, I, <laughs> go, please go ahead. I have go a wreck. I'll let Jason go first. He hasn't, they haven't well, said Who anything. cares about Jason? <laughs> Fuck you, Matt. I want to recommend, I mean, he's a pretty popular artist, but the rapper J.I.D., he's been getting more popular lately, which makes me happy to see because I think he's one of the best rappers that is alive right now he you know recently he's been getting more more popular he has like 21 million monthly listeners on spotify but like when i started listening to him he had way way less than that i've been a fan of him for a while so this is in part recommending him to people who don't know him and also just saying that i like seeing artists that i love get more successful and get more recognition for what they do he, he's really incredible with wordplay and uh like his you know just rhythmically his his rapping ability is insane and he has a lot of great content in his music so i i recommend him greatly perfect that i so generously let you go first because actually i have the great segue of building off of you talking about someone who deserves more recognition my i swear to god i promise my last two recommendations um this my week, last two he's yes, got two this is four total for the week um they just keep coming to me i'm feeling inspired um it's actually based where i heard about my best friend 
Martin's exorcism from is the YouTuber Dan Drambles. Um, really, really, I, I didn't really mention him when we were making uh, the intro episode when we talking about like inspirations for starting a podcast, but uh, mostly because he doesn't have a podcast. Uh, but his YouTube channel, huge ins- um, inspiration actually in that. It's just really positive, like uplifting, finding the silver lining type of stuff. Um, and just if you're especially even into horror or video games or just movies in general, um, really good. Um, approachable discussion of those things but it's just kind of like the type of positive talking about things you enjoy atmosphere from his videos that kind of made me be like it could be fun to do something like that um hence this podcast and yeah but he's actually where i heard about my best friend's exorcism from and then jason I'll, knows what real quick i'll back that wreck because dan drambles i think is very entertaining oh yeah very really funny witty guy seems like just such a nice dude and then i also wanted to say in terms of musical artists not getting <laughs> uh when we were pulling into et actually my i was listening through music and it what i was playing stopped playing so it just did the like based off of thing and this boy named connor kaufman k-a-u-f-f-m-a-n came up and me and jason were sitting there matt and sean were in the car too me and jason were sitting there just like all right this is okay and then the drop happened and we were really vibing kind of some good bops drop some bops uh connor kaufman check him out definitely a little like pop punk influenced Mm -hmm. in, in at moments for sure you know singing about breakups that's the most pop punk thing ever but <laughs> anyone else want to throw in Rex after I've dominated with five in one week? I know you guys have already also said things, but I feel like I said just, just, you know, <laughs> and less chance. My wreck is point, for I'm Jake move on. and it's to shut the fuck up. I have a recommendation. How about I read everything this time? If you would like to, yeah. Ooh. Ooh um, I'm segueing us. Go for it. All right. So in this episode, we're covering Batman Mask of the Phantasm released on Christmas Day in 1993. Written by Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, Martin Pasco, I'm going to hope I got that right, and Michael Reeves, directed by Eric Radomski and Bruce Tim, with cinematography by um, Sung Il Choi, I'm hoping that's right, Uh, and art direction by Glenn Murakami, uh, starring Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne slash Batman, Dana Delaney as Andrea Beaumont, Hart Bachner as Arthur Reeves, Stacy Keach as the Phantasm and Carl Beaumont, Abe Vigoda as Salvatore Valestra, Ephraim Zimbalis Jr. as Alfred, and Mark Hamill as the Joker. So, what is everyone's prior experience with this movie? I open the floor to you all. Before anyone talks about the experience, I just want to thank Sean for accidentally taking the one with the really long creative and cast list. Uh, it has like four writers and shit. I appreciate that. I will go first, probably because everyone else has seen this. I have only seen uh, clips of this. I have seen um, the flashback scenes and the ending scene. I have not seen the uh, the rest of the web that sticks it all together. And now that I've seen it, it makes a lot more sense. And I liked it. I've seen this. It's been a real, real long time since I've seen the entirety of it. Uh, Like, probably early teens when I saw that. Like, 12, 13, maybe. uh, For the last time in its entirety. But, uh, you know, I've seen it a few times. Very much enjoy it. It's a classic. Uh, I love the, the show as well that it's based on watched plenty of that as a child yeah uh also shout out kevin conroy repping the queers it's my boy kevin conroy actually wrote a really good um 
short story in oh my god i'm blanking on what the comic book was oh it was in um this year's dc pride anthology one shot um wrote a really good uh short comic story in that about um his coming out and his dealing with um various traumas in his personal life and then specifically how those related to his uh being gay in the industry so if i can throw in a wreck (laughs) (laughs) i've I've actually heard about that before really good uh i mean to read it but i never have gotten around to it but yeah again shout out him he's great incredible talent and gay yeah i uh i've seen this plenty before i've seen batman the animated series plenty before um and this movie's great and i was very much looking forward to the fact that we got to watch it again i was very surprised to hear that matt hadn't seen it in full before because matt is you're, you're such an animation guy that i would have thought you would have been all over this by now it's mostly due to the fact that um i haven't seen the original animated series before and i was going through that entire thing i finished all of season one i was midway through season two and after that i was going to finish the first three seasons and then i was going to watch mask the phantasm and then move on to season four however i had a summer class and it threw everything out of the water and i most of my time was dedicated to work and to us yeah school so i had no time but i'm gonna pick up where i left off and you know what even though I just watched it, I'm still going. I'm going to rewatch it once I'm done season three. I like that you took this back to school, and it's just about school fucking you up for a second time. Yeah, it ruined <laughs> all my plans. I did nothing but work and school for uh six weeks. Ew. Uh, so from my experience, I actually can't definitively say whether I've seen this before or not, aside from today, because I. It, if I saw it, it was when I was really young and really didn't understand what I was watching. Because I watched Batman the Animated Series as a kid, but like I never really got into it until like later on. So it was like as a like a seven year old tiny Sean. I just I I watched. I could have watched it, but I can't tell you anything specific that I had or if I had actually watched it. It's one of those things that it's like, oh, I definitely know I saw Batman the Animated Series, but I can't tell you if Mask of the Phantasm was included in that or if I just watched parts of the show and it kind of blends in with everything um so i'm going to consider this my first time seeing it fully so yeah i mean this podcast is a great way of like like batman mask of the phantasm is like a movie that i've meant to go back and rewatch plenty of times and never just forgotten and never gotten around to it so i mean this, if nothing else this podcast is a nice way to like actually get me to rewatch some of the these old movies that i love but you're welcome <laughs> and i'm gonna bring something up real quick i'm gonna bring this up right now because we're not going to be talking about the animated series but it has something to do with that and now that we're talking about a movie related to that series i'm going to bring something up real quick watching this movie and watching the uh the well the first one and a half season uh first three seasons of the batman animated series i can't understand why fans were upset about the redesigns in uh season four where we get like the more like modern like bruce tim style like the more blocky and simplified versions of uh of like batman the rest of the uh the rest of his how should i put it allies and rogues gallery yeah allies and rogues gallery but yeah like uh it's iconic now but back in day it was very controversial and seeing the joker in this movie spoilers he's in this movie but um it can made me kind of understand why because his design in this movie and in the animated series is much more intimidating than like the season four design where he was like a little too simplified you know trying to say luckily they rectified that and uh the justice league 
uh, animated series, but they don't have a movie, so we will no longer talk about them. Damn. This is a movie podcast, Sean. What do you want from me? We'll make a spin-off podcast. Well, your How love and affection? Your admiration? It has all those things, but I can't express those things while I'm here. All right, well, how about we get into this plot? Uh, So, we start our movie with young Bruce Wayne as he meets Andre Beaumont while visiting his parents' grave. They begin a relationship while Bruce makes his first attempts at crime fighting. Despite his success at falling, foiling, that looks like an L, uh, it's, just, it's just my goddamn screen. He is discouraged to find that the crooks do not fear him. Bruce becomes conflicted about whether to commit to his relationship with Andrea or defend Gotham City to avenge his parents, but eventually proposes marriage. Andrea accepts, only to mysteriously leave Gotham with her father, businessman Carl Beaumont, ending the engagement in a Dear John letter. Heartbroken, Bruce assumes the mantle of Batman. Well, that's a lot summarized in a single paragraph <laughs> well i think it's because the, the the plot summary really puts the flashback sequences up front whereas throughout the movie it's kind of intercut back and forth between yeah. current day and past going in chronological order as opposed to like you know the way the movie actually presents this so this is not the first thing that is presented in the movie yeah i guess if you probably just easier to write yeah. this than being like and then this and then back here and then this and then back here I could see that being annoying. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I, I guess I should start off then. Um, you are actively talking. I realized that too late. <laughs> Damn it. I have to speak now. Yes. He's so used to me swooping in and cutting him off that he was like, then when he needed it, it wasn't there. I, that, <laughs> I was actually thinking of that. Oh, yeah. Like, um, go fuck yourself, Matt. Uh, seeing, uh, Bruce Wayne happy is a sight that I am not used to seeing. And it's so fascinating how the fact that he's happy just gives him like a like identity crisis where like he can't be this when he can't he doesn't have the motivation to be this vigilante anymore and that he just wants to be happy you know what i'm trying to say and like that's like that's like a perspective you don't really see because when you see batman you already see him just like totally committed to uh being the batman and like nothing faces him and uh seeing him basically and was essentially just a black sweater and a black ski mask fighting people with ninja stars is pretty funny yeah that's something that i've always particularly liked about this movie is that like it's it's way of presenting batman uh more so than in other batman movies does really show like the more human side of bruce wayne uh it doesn't uh take you know Oftentimes, I think he's looked at as a character as just very, you know, one-dimensional and having just... He's, uh, he's only very serious in Batman or whatever, you know what I mean? Rather than this, this movie, I think, does a fantastic job of, of giving him a more human side to relate to. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the one thing that I definitely liked about going into this is that it gives him a range of emotions as opposed to just stonewalling everything. But I think it definitely does a good job at portraying, like, you know... You see a lot more of Bruce and, like, Bruce being Bruce. And even during this, it, it seems to be a more Bruce-led movie than it is a Batman-led movie because, you know, you see throughout it, uh, Alfred even... Uh, obviously, this is, like, earlier on, but it's like ba Alfred refers to Batman as his alter ego as opposed to being Bruce. Yeah, I think one of the things that because it focuses on Bruce as a human outside of the cow, that it gets to... A strength that comes from that is it gets to explore why he is how he is and who he is 
without having to indulge itself in depicting the Wayne murders, which granted at the time of release weren't quite as played out in media, but it's still looking back when you look at all the different ways that the Wayne murders have been adapted to film and television, both live action and animated. It's really nice to see a movie that deals with an early days Batman and Bruce Wayne and isn't just like, do you get it? There's pearls on the ground, his parents are shot and he's sad about it. Like obviously that's a huge factor, it's still his motivation, but because they you kind of reflect on Andrea, uh, Andrea's loss and his relationship with her and what they could have had, um, you get to explore who he is in a different light and through a different angle and it doesn't feel redundant to a lot of other Batman media. Yeah, I think like the way that I always interpreted Batman as a character is that like the reason he's so detached and obviously I think most people probably assume this as well uh, even when it's not shown is that even the reason he's so detached and serious all the time is because he almost like it's a defense mechanism to like not have the pain that goes along with being emotionally present and affectionate towards people um but i think that this movie more so than others shows like the actual traumas or whatever issues that led him to feel that way and to feel like he has to be batman and be ultra serious all the time uh, rather than just having it be implied my favorite thing is that we get to see yeah as i said before we get to see bruce happy and we get to see more of how bruce works because the fact that he is happy his guilt is like killing him on the inside to the point where he has to visit his parents grave and like basically beg them to like basically forgive him for uh not keeping his promise and then like um you know andrea comes behind him and assures him that this is what they would have wanted and it's like it's like that point it should have been like you know they just you know marry and have a happy life together that's usually how it ends however last minute andrea uh well bruce proposes to andrea first and she says yes that's about to explain the whole plot before i can well like yeah like it, it's i'm not gonna get too much into it but i have to get to some points but yeah batman uh well, not batman bruce proposes to andrea and andrea accepts and it just seems like it should be this happy ending right where they'll just live a happy life together but last minute Andrea uh, rejects the proposal and it paints him taking the mantle of the Batman of more of a tragedy than it already is because the fact that he's turning into Batman is already entrenched in tragedy from, you know, his parents dying. But like, it's even more like sad because you see that he was so close to not being that Batman and just being a normal, happy person. And that was unfortunately taken from him. And my favorite thing was that when he put on the cowl, you just see Alpha's reaction. He just he was terrified of uh of how Bruce looked. It was like he didn't even recognize him. It was amazing. Yeah, I had similar things in my notes about about Alfred's reaction of like shock at seeing uh Bruce on the cowl for the first time. And I think as a whole, it's something that and I don't know if I talked about this in any of our previous episodes about batman movies i can't remember but i don't really fuck with the whole oh he's the bruce wayne's really the mask thing i feel like that's such a like level one read on the character um i think in the end both both personas have certain manufactured elements and there's not really one or the i think in the end he's bruce wayne like you can't erase that from him you can't be he can't be so defined by a trauma that happened to him as a child and not be bruce wayne um like i just don't uh, agree with that read but i think there's element to truth in that not there's manufactured elements to both batman and to 
the public-facing Bruce Wayne, and that ultimately the the version of himself that's really him is who he is around the people he trusts, around Alfred and the Bat family, where he can open up and be himself and process things and try to heal. Like like you said, talked about so tragically in this movie is he's finally healing, and then it gets re room gets reopened when he loses Andrea, um, and he loses that that life raft that he put kind of all his eggs in one basket. He has Alfred right there, but he's all invested in the one thing, and he loses it. And I think this movie again, the he in the comics, the true Bruce Wayne is the Bruce Wayne you see when he interacts with Alfred, when he interacts with Nightwing and Robin and Batgirl and the Bat family. And in the case of this movie, you see the true Bruce Wayne when he's with Andrea. You see what makes him happy and what Mo like pushes him and motivates him outside of just pain um which makes it like you said all the more tragic um when he becomes batman again because it's like he had that exit ramp to get off and he didn't take it couldn't take it whereas most batman iterations there's just the initial point of tragedy that spawns batman yeah that's the thing though it's just like it is true that saying bruce wayne is a mask and batman is you know the real person is pretty lazy because in my opinion i think Batman is more of the, just the coping mechanism that Bruce needs. Otherwise, he'll just go freaking crazy. And um, yeah, like it's it's just really sad that like all of this could have been avoided. That he could have moved on from being the you know the traumatized child who's seen his parents die. He could have moved on from that because it just because during the flashbacks it's obvious that like it just haunts him from. The picture of uh, his parents up in the wall, he just continuously stares at it to him visiting his parents. It's just he can't move on from that. And he was so close, so close, and was unfairly taken from him. It's just, it's just so sad. All right, I'm going to continue along with our plot read. I have some things I want to mention too, but I'll mention them later. Uh, so, 10 years later, Batman breaks up a meeting of Gotham crime bosses led by Chucky Soul. When Soul tries to escape in his car, he is killed by a cloaked figure the phantasm who causes him to speed out of control and fatally crash into a building batman is witnessed at the scene and it is believed that he killed saul with city councilman arthur reeves who is corrupt and on the mob's payroll vowing to have him arrested much to the chagrin of batman's ally commissioner james gordon who insists batman is innocent and refuses to partake in the manhunt against him one of the things i do want to mention uh i have two points that i want to make nobody's talked about the art style yet but oof the art deco 50s 6 1950s 1960s art styles just goddamn gorgeous and i don't i obviously everybody talks about it a lot because bruce tim it's, it's just been assigned to his like personal style but like i i still think it's a super creative style and just to see it like a, a lot of it does come to life and a lot of it is like you know it it's that style that i i reminisce back on because it's just it, uh, it not a lot of animation sort of uh or I don't want to say not a lot of animation nowadays. If anything, it's getting more stylized. But not a lot of animation back in, like, the day was, it had that much style to it. it. Like, um, it either had that, like, 80s cheesy action style that was, like, typically what was seen at the time. Like, it, it, versus this where it's, like, something so stylized and something so different where it, it kind of sticks out. And because of the way it was stylized, it kind of has this timeless feel to it that doesn't really, like... It doesn't get bogged down by, like, you know... The fact that we... This this was made a couple decades ago, ago as of now. That it's just... It's not something that I can say is really aged. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Style oozes from this. I, just I... to the depth. Guys, one of you just talk. We should try that. Well, Matt, go. All right. Well, as I was saying, style oozes from every single frame of this movie and in the show as well. But we're not going to get into that. 
but um it's quite obvious that you know they focused a lot on the world building and the style especially with the fact that um they drew everything on black paper which totally adds to the atmosphere because like every there's just so much shadow so much shade it just is such a distinct oh, yeah, they make a great use of color throughout the entire thing mm-hmm. which is really goddamn impressive for the yes. like red sky stands yeah. out so much as almost like fades into black as it goes up mm-hmm. um the whole city kind of and everyone in it kind of just looks like a silhouette yeah exactly that's the thing though it's just like the city is uh barely visible but like you can still see the shape of the building and so you still get like you know an idea of what it looks like but not detail enough to like pinpoint a certain date to it and so it's it's it becomes more timeless yeah i i also wanted to like before even sean even brought it up i wanted to mention the animation style as well because i first of all i think like the opening uh credits like that whole uh as it like flies through the city yeah as it flies through the city that whole opening part was was so beautiful and i remember i even like said to you guys out loud while watching it like like there's not a lot of shit like that like whether it be now or even at the time like it just doesn't like it's so it has so much personality to its own thing and i think you know going back to all the shadow and everything it, it sets this tone of like mystery within the city which i think is perfect for like a character like batman who's meant to be a detective like that's it's so smart to and the way they drew it is so beautifully attached to that character the animation is so perfect for a noir story and series yeah yeah i'm gonna go off what you said like it has so much personality even though it has a color palette of black brown and navy blue like and a little red exactly when people when you say nowadays that when a show has like personality is mostly just like you know like a lot of like a more brighter color palette than this yeah well that's the thing i I feel like what makes it special is like it's not the amount of colors they use it's their use of the colors that they have like it's it's all very like dark toned colors but the way they use them is so fitting to the themes of the show and the movie extremely atmospheric it's it's not in your face about it it's subtle but it it's bold like it's 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 an oxymoron it doesn't make a ton of sense but it has like a subtle boldness and in the same way that it's almost oxymoronic in that while it feels era specific it's also timeless um somewhat just due to the sheer quality of it it hasn't aged today like if i didn't know better if you told me this came out last week i'd be like yep like it just looks so good and so smooth um and that's just such a credit to everybody on the art team. Oh, we, we didn't even get to like the actual animation itself. We just talked about how everything was drawn. All the movements are all the movements are so smooth. Like um, the action was amazing as well. Like just there's so much impact on all the punches. The movement is so smooth. And um, well, that's, that's really it. Like, I can't really add any more to that other than just saying like the animation was good. Animation good. Uh, if anything, the one thing that I kind of like is how much, uh, one with the coloration, the fact that it's like, you know, they, they don't feel, despite the fact that they're using such a limited color palette, they aren't, it doesn't feel limited at all. And plus when they do have brighter colors, like, you know, you see the whites of Batman's eyes or you see something like the sky where it's like, something's a different color. It always stands out because of how dark everything else is. Uh, and also kind of add to that, like, the one thing I, I am surprised about, because, like, I haven't gone back to the animated series in a while, but, like, it's just surprising how dark the movie actually is. Not, like, 
visually but tonally too how like this is just that it just surprises me because it's like obviously again some of these things are things you wouldn't really see in like a cartoon nowadays where it's like Unless it's, like, an adult animated cartoon, and even then it's kind of, like, you're itching on the fact that it's, like, if it's an adult animated cartoon, you've got something that's, like, Family Guy, and that's as far as you really go in terms of what you get, um, where it's just adult. Unless it's primal. Well, yeah, some, more things are starting to come out of the woodwork, but it's, like... It, you still don't get a lot of introspective character studies in animation. Yeah, you just don't get a lot of that, and you don't get a lot of, like, it, this manages to have a mature and dark tone without overtly being, like ah, we're for adults, and also, ah, we're for children, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't really pick a lane, it chooses to be in, like, you know, a very general area that kind of makes it work so well that it's, it's not catering to, it obviously is, but it's not, like, it's not catering to any one particular person, it's more trying to be, like, its own thing, if that makes sense. It's just a good story. Yeah. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, it's just a quality like, story. It, it, I mean, the one thing that still surprises me is, the, like, there's, there's blood in it, there's, you know, uh very i i don't want to say gory because that's not the right word but it's like fairly violent i guess is the best way to no. put it like when when someone gets hit it has impact and they react like they were actually punched you know what i'm trying to say like some animated fights they just punch each other and they're just throwing uh, a punch it's like they're they're punching bags basically and some of the more extreme violence is kind of implied like the phantasm is murdering people with like a bladed gauntlet which you don't necessarily like get graphic images of but it's uh, still more than enough to come across oh yeah or just in general the gang violence is not necessarily shown but you feel it a perfect example of that is um the first kill uh the first gangster basically when they dry off the uh the uh the parking lot they basically drive into the next building over and you don't see the body but you, you hear the horn like continuously honking basically implying that you know, he slammed his head and now he's just dead. His head on the uh on the car horn. It's more implied. But yeah, like um this is much more adult than the animated series. Like the animated series is uh like, you know, it does balance like a like a you know, like a lighter tone with like a more mature theme. But um this is I mean darker yeah. than the show. And it is for the better. I mean, one of the things I always like to think about is how, like, you know, uh, I don't want to be, like, the uh, back-in-my-day kind of person, but, like, you look back to, like, then versus now, and it's, like, something like guns where that's not even particularly allowed. Smoking. Uh, smoking is heavily not allowed in any, like, animated... Thi un again, unless you're, like, that Family Guy thing where it's, like, you're just adult animated comedy or you're something that's, like, a bit smaller, like, even as much as, like, again, I know, Matt, you mentioned Primal, it's not as big as say other you know it's not as big as like something like uh like again family guy in terms of adult animated content there isn't really a lot of adult animated content that actually like you know it, that it while that is not it does not fit into that family guy mold but is also popular yeah we basically don't get like shows like the early simpsons anymore where like it's aimed toward adult right and it's super popular, even though it has like very, very mature themes and messages. Or even just something like this, which I think is fits that all ages. There's nothing yeah. explicitly yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no reason you wouldn't there's, show yeah, this to a child. Yeah. But, I, but it's definitely not quote unquote for children. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like animation in general nowadays is unfortunately much more, how should I say, like censored, neutered. There's almost two extremes. You were either a young, and again, um, there is exceptions. There's plenty of great 
animation out there and I'm not even saying the, the things on the two extremes are bad but it's almost like you were you were a kid's kid show and the only person who could find value in it is a child or you were super adult edgy like hardly like to me it's like the hard if you a batman show on a cartoon network would be probably way more childish now but then you also have harley quinn that is like saying fuck left and right and they're having sex on screen and that's all fine but it's like there's almost no middle there's there's nothing that like is for applicable to people at various age ranges that you can almost develop with and appreciate more as you grow yeah it, it, it's either not for kids at all or it's just for kids yeah you can't even show uh a, a character punching another character yeah a lot a lot of a lot of uh car- I, cartoon channels are like that nowadays <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's like that where like something like violence isn't okay we can't show that on this cartoon like things aren't that like censored but i think probably one of the bigger pictures that gives a better idea is uh and i'll, I'll recommend this for everybody but for like uh the guy who made jason's naked uh the- i'm so hot yes you are uh, Jason just took his shirt off. Uh, um, that's oh, for the yeah. fucking yeah. Patreon. Please oh, invest. Yes. It's an incredible uh, site. But uh, the creator of Gravity Falls, so like his name's Alex Hirsch, for anybody who doesn't know, one of the things that he put up recently on like Twitter, not it wasn't too long ago, was like all of the notes he was sent by Disney's censorship team uh, and all the things that they said that like weren't allowed and some of them were like the dumbest shit. And it's like, obviously, while... Some of those were probably valid things that were sent. The ones that he showed obviously were not. And it shows like, a, uh, obviously it's a, it's an understandable perspective of like, you don't want to portray things that are like, you know, could be taken the wrong way. But there comes to a point where it's like, uh, you're backing yourselves into a corner and not, you know, making, you know, art. Which I, again, Disney isn't going to see it that way. They're going to be the corporation that sees it as this is going to be used to make money and I want to make money off of this This is the same company that canceled the Owl House for being too gay. I'm not surprised. And also also even post-release up for Gravity Falls, like they're, like I'm facing censorship while making it, but they put it on Disney Plus and removed a lot of the Illuminati. Yeah, and editing it, and and editing art post-release, and I'm not talking about like throwing up, look, if something has something that could be sensitive for someone throwing up a fucking trigger warning in front that's fine that's not edit. you're not changing the art you're giving someone a warning who could be legitimately have an issue you don't know what's going on in their life but to actually physically edit art and remove an existing form from existence is well, yeah, so like, fucked um, up and evil some of the looney tunes cartoons right that had like you know offensive uh portrayals of like certain minorities and you the thing is is that they they are a product of their time and we should learn from these but i don't think they should be alt-right removed but like some of the animations have like a little uh basically a little slide in the beginning basically saying that these and uh portrayals of like these people were of the time and are not appropriate these days that's very good because that's very educational that absolutely should and needs to be included in front of those things but we're not even talking about something that's severe even we're talking about taking fucking like pyramids out of gravity falls like we can't have like a background gag in a show we're not talking about something that is racist something that is fucked up we're just changing a vision yeah i mean like and i i know that's speaking towards a specific but it's just it's it's one of those things that you tend to see in like tandem with it happening to a lot of other shows you see a lot of that just coming out of the woodwork you're seeing a lot of these shows for just not being able to be made because they can't be marketable or used for like or they're poor seen by whatever corporation is you know producing said content is seen as like unmarketable or they don't want to do it because it won't make you know them content 
the content won't allow them to sell merchandise, things like that. Uh, I, it just, I understand. It's one of those things where it's like, I hate that uh, it's a situation where like that's kind of necessary and it isn't like, and it, I, I feel like animation is given a bad rap no matter what uh, in general. And like, it's probably one of my favorite art forms out there. It's one of those things that it's just, I always hate that it always has to be in tandem with some way of like monetizing it when it's like, I, I, it's it's one thing that I hate because it's like I understand and comprehend that animation takes a fuck ton of time and really it needs a lot of money and you know effort put into it for it to actually be good, uh, and it's one of the it's one of those things where it's like you continually see animation over time it just doesn't it sadly doesn't make as much money as some other forms of media and it just kind of makes me like it, this is speaking very generally <laughs> but like it's just one of those things where it's like i really love animation and i really do love and i think the things that are made and the things that we do have like this movie here like deserve goddamn praise for being as good as they are and finding a way to survive in such an industry that's so fucking terrible but it's just one of those things that i i really wish it was different oh i was going to say real quick like at the risk of getting extending this tangent further because it's already gone on so long and i want to eventually get talk back to the movie but like sean's spitting right now so i just kind of wanted to back him up and say like me and matt were talking about this earlier before recording it is absolutely insane that this is one of as of the day we're recording this one of five movies animated movies to get a full theatrical release based on a comic book one of five comic books you fucking use it as a storyboard like just put some motion in that shit like are you kidding me and they already have distinct art styles that you can adapt the artist's art styles and then pay them properly it'll be six and seven soon with spider-verse two and three but it is like absolutely fucking insane to me that you have an like a hand-drawn medium that you're just and there's like directed dvd ones but you only have five this lego batman spider-verse super pets uh bikira sex you, you can't exploit 2d animators as much as 3d animators so right now the big thing is 3d animation and even then they are not treated with the respect they deserve i'm looking at you disney especially how you treat the pixar films especially like turning red and uh luca how they're just what was it just release on disney plus while they're fucking shitty as movie mulan you had to pay 30 bucks to see it's funny that they have animated movies with poc leads and like good rap in them too are the ones that are getting getting shoved straight to yeah. streaming so oh, yeah that was a great movie that i wish weird I coincidence theaters or you know paid for so i can support it but no it's animation so you know what? We would rather just release it and not give people money. They not not give animators money. Talking about things that deserve your money, I'm gonna continue this plot thread. Uh, <laughs> all right. So the Phantasm murders another gangster, Buzz Bronski, in the same cemetery Bruce met Andrea. Oh my God! Every time I see her name, I want to read Andrea. I I wasn't the only one. Brons Bronski's bodyguards see the Phantasm flee the scene and mistake the mysterious figure for Batman. Batman investigates the scene of Bronski's death and encounters Andre Andre. Oh my God, Andrea! Uh, inadvertently revealing his identity to her. Batman finds evidence linking Carl Beaumont with Saul. 
uh, Bronski and a third gangster, Salvatore Valestra, later finding a photograph of the four together in Valestra's home. Paranoid that Batman will come for him next, the now elderly Valestra asks Reeves for help, but is refused. In desperation, he turns to the Joker. The Phantasm goes to kill Valestra at his mansion, only to find him dead from exposure to Joker's venom. Seeing Phantasm through a camera, Joker realizes Batman is not the murderer and detonates a bomb he planted in the mansion. Phantasm escapes with a blast and is pursued by Batman before disappearing. Ooh, spooky. Batman is ambushed by the police with Andre... Oh my god, I can't do this. I hate her name it's so It's a regular-ass name. I'm, just, I'm, I'm gonna get one take. Well, I'm not actually gonna do this. It'd be a pain in the ass, but I'm gonna get one take of you saying Andrea, Andrea correctly and then just dub it over every time you have to say the name. Andrea, Andrea saves him just before he can be arrested. She explains to Bruce her father embezzled money from Valestra and was forced to repay it. A greedy Valestra then demanded he pay more and put a hit on Carl, prompting him to go into hiding with Andrea... Together, once again, the two consider resuming their relationship. Bruce believes Carl Beaumont to be the Phantasm until he takes another look at the photo with him, Valestra, and Valestra's men. One of them has the exact same face as the Joker, and it was goddamn hilarious to watch him just put a little red mark on his face. It's not even a red mark. He just took, like, uh, like, a red coloring pencil and just colored in his mouth with like red lipstick as it's 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 just oh that's the joker it was also he had the same face shape kind of like fairly obvious from like the moment that you yeah, his, see the one guy his face was a like, little too distinct to be just a bodyguard for this mobster but i think he's a hitman Matt. hey he is a hitman put some respect on it i'm so sorry hitman the photo and be like eh? oh <laughs> In in regards to the Joker and the Joker's inclusion in this movie, I do think it's true that it's potentially a little unnecessary. It feels potentially almost a little obligatory to be like, this is a Batman movie, Joker must be in it. That said, I actually do think it's better for it. Um, I understand that's like the one thing I've kind of criticism I've ever kind of heard of the movie is that like Joker doesn't really need to be there. The movie's about Bruce and Andrea um, and the mob stuff. But I think ultimately, while it's, I, like, sort of softly agree with that. I think, in general, A, I'm just never going to complain about getting more Mark Hamill Joker. That's just... Guy's perfect, he, you know, as is Kevin Conroy, as there's pretty much any voice cast for this. And a lot of the good things we say, as Matt said, apply to the Batman the Animated Series as well as this. The visuals, the tone, the characterization, the voice cast. Um, but ultimately, I think her having that connection with uh joker being before he was joker being the guy that killed her father um naturally tying her to him just as much if not more as bruce slash batman is tied to the joker is just another example of the bond that him and andrea share and the kind of tightrope they're both walking um as alfred says later in the movie in this kind of line between vengeance and justice and this line between controlling your trauma and using your trauma versus letting it use you um so while you could take him out of the movie and just make it so some mobster killed him and it'd be the same um between that and just the general joy uh, of between the iconography of the joker connection to batman and then what that means for andrea and then just the general joy of seeing hamill as joker anytime possible i think it's a good decision even if it was just made for the sake of including I him i like his inclusion because it just shows the difference between Bruce and Andrea. Like, um, Bruce, no matter what Joker does, is just not willing to kill him because that's not that's not justice. That's vengeance. 
while Andrea is, well, you say they're both walking in the tightrope. Well, Andrea already felt like she's already just seeking vengeance. And she is going after Joker to kill him after she already killed two former uh, mob bosses. So it's, you know, he, so Joker there is just, you know, he has a connection to both of them, right? And he shows the difference between, you know, unfortunately, how Andrea and Bruce have just drifted apart and how they could just never be together because they're just too different. And I blame like the uh the like the recent like you know getting sick of like Batman and Joker have to be like together no matter like you know if like Joker has a thing movie or like show or like Batman has a movie or show that they have to be in each other's things. That's like more of like a recency bias because it is true that recently like if there's like a Batman media project, there's going to be Joker in it. They just been doing that a lot lately especially with like the shows and video games like the arkham arkham games like he's in every single one of them and so like yeah i can kind of see like people like you know recently like going to this movie be like oh joker's in this again but like you know it wasn't that big of a problem back then you know what i'm trying to say so it's like more of a recency yeah i think like i don't have a super strong opinion on it i can get why people might think it's forced in to have you know joker come about and be a such a big part of the movie towards the end but at the end of the day i somewhat agree with you jake that like when it comes down to it like it it gives batman and andrea like a common opponent to display that like even though they're both on the same side of things they view things so differently like even though they're both on the side of like taking down the criminals and the the quote-unquote rotten parts of gotham they're so fundamentally different in in how they want to go about doing that and i think that it, it the movie using that to be to to show that to demonstrate that is good and whether or not it's the Joker, to me, doesn't really matter. If anything, like you said, getting to hear Mark Hamill's Joker voice in, in a movie is sick. Whether <laughs> I think the one thing I'd say that I kind of wish would have been, you know, in, in, in this is just more of the phantasm. I, I don't know why, other than, like, I, 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 despite, you know... Did we get to that point where they reveal who the phantasm is in the plot? I can't remember what I read. Um... Um, I think he did. Um, they kind of get into it. Read, read the next. You can always read the next paragraph and then say it. Yeah, but I think but, you talked about uh, it. Nah. Okay, you know what? I'll read the next paragraph and then we'll get to it. Uh, I'll get to my point. So, continuing <laughs> with our pot plot. Our pot. <laughs> continuing with our pot. Uh, believing him to be behind the phantasm in order to erase his mob connections, Joker presses Reeves for more information before poisoning him with venom. Reeves is taken to the hospital where Batman interrogates him. Reeves, who worked as Carl's accountant before going into politics, confesses he helped the Beaumonts escape but told Valestra their location in exchange for the funding needed to launch his first campaign. Both Batman and Joker deduce that the phantasm is Andrea 
Maya, who intends to wipe out the Le- the Velestra mob for killing her father and ruining her chance to marry Bruce. All right, so there we go. I actually get it. So the one thing I really wish I could have gotten more of is the Phantasm. I wanted to see more of the Phantasm and get more of a build-up to that character. Because while I do love the, the Phantasm and I love that it's... I, I like that the reveal is that it's Andre, even though it's a little bit more obvious than, you know, as, as you go through it. Um, but, like, uh, I... I, for a movie that is about, like, you know, is Mask of the Phantasm, I just feel like there wasn't a lot of the Phantasm in it. Because uh, you, you see the first scene, you have the scene in the graveyard where she, like, crushes the one guy. And, and, and like, a, a couple other scenes of her running away. But you don't really get, like, a lot of these cool uh, points aside from the first two people she murders. Uh, and I kind of would have liked to see more of that and more of, like, you know seeing how far you know the phantasm is gone seeing more of what's what they've done uh i i just feel like it i would have liked more of that not that i didn't get enough just that like i feel like i wanted more by the end of it I tend to agree with you because i even like going into this today i remember like it had been years since i watched this but i was like i feel like i remember not like phantasm not being in it as much as i would have thought and then it, it was confirmed when I watched it today. And I, I do think, because I think it's such a cool character that, to the best of my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, was created for this movie. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about. I'll let you finish your point first. Yeah, so, like, especially for that point, because of the fact that, like, this is pretty much the only bit of media that we've seen this character in, I think it would have been cooler to, like, see... Especially because I think the character design is so cool. Like, the mask is so cool, and the the fog that's around the phantasm anytime it's on screen, and the the hook that it wears, like, that. it's just such a cool character design that I would have liked to have seen that in action more. Also, that they play into the actress of it's the phantasm. It is a legitimate, they make it, like, it's a phantasm. Like, it's this illusion that you're constantly seeing that just disappears before you can even touch it. Well, before I get to my point, when Jake said OC, I physically cringed. Not because, you know, what the way he said it or anything. It's just because that word has been ruined by Twitter and DeFanArt. It is an original character, but just abbreviated to OC is just, ugh. It's, 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 all, it's awful. That word is ruined forever. You don't want to hear about my I will Sonic kick OC? your face, Sean. <laughs> anyway, I don't mind it as much because the buildup to the Phantasm is just learning Andrea as a character. As you get to learn more about her, uh, you get to see, like, you know, you get to start a picture of, like, uh, they basically how the Phantasm came to be and the Phantasm's motivations. And, yeah, I would like to see the Phantasm more in action. But, like, uh, I don't think we necessarily got, like, uh, I feel like the Phantasm wasn't underutilized. The Phantasm was used as necessary. And um, things like, you know, its origins are explained through Andrea's backstory. The only thing I can really say is I wish we knew how, you know, like the suit, the the hook, the freaking fog, like the chemical she uses to disappear, how that works. But that's, you know, that that could be explained in like like a booklet. It's something like that. It doesn't really need to be explained in the movie. I also just feel like it's more interesting if you 
if she's mis- like the characters like sean said like this mirror of like a phantom like it's kind of more interesting and creepy that she just yeah. can appear and disappear yeah. and like also batman disappears exactly. all the time and that's never made any sense exactly. um but ultimately well i am kind of on that side in terms of i don't necessarily i didn't really feel like an absence or anything um i mean i certainly wouldn't have complained about more um i do i felt like the the use was appropriate i want to say i think i would like to see the phantasm used more outside of this movie um i know it made some dcau comic appearances or references or something to my knowledge actually tom king's batman catwoman 12 issue miniseries it was the first book to like really majorly use the phantasm as a character um and that was i believe originally intended to be in continuity and then kind of fell into this at most murky gray area of continuity um of being canon in general quick divergent i'm very i love tom king but i'm very mixed on his batman run a lot of good ideas but also a lot of square peg and round hole shit but ultimately i think that character is such a wonderful wonderful foil to batman that it's so crazy and it became so beloved so quickly in such a masterpiece of a movie that it's insane to me that the phantasm never got like molded into mainstream dc continuity and got used more um I almost, it's honestly part of my head canon. Like when I read an incontinuity quote unquote canon, I, have a, I could give a whole spiel about canon. I'll stay off that for now. Um, but a quote unquote incontinuity Batman book, it's almost like I almost read it in my head canon as informed by this happened to him. Even if within technically the official main DC universe, Phantasm didn't happen. I just, it just feels like such a natural motivation for that character that it's like crazy to me that they didn't, that they didn't just like adopt this as part of his backstory. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's like such a, and it is weird how, like how you mentioned, like it's such an iconic and beloved story and movie that like, it is weird that, it hasn't been more uh, accepted into into the the zeitgeist of of Batman's history. I also think Phantasm would work very well in the Reeves. I Batman was going to mention that. Um, I will say this: I'm not the type of person who's like going to adapt everything to live action because fuck that. I think comic books and animation and live action are all different and beautiful and equal mediums. Um, there's not it's not like a promotion or anything, but I just do genuinely think that it could actually fit very well within that vision. That's what I should be careful what I wish for because you never know when something's going to become wildly oversaturated. Honestly, I don't mind that the the phantasm hasn't really been used in other medium because it's the phantasm was used perfectly in this movie and it ended pretty well. I just think I want the validation of it being officially like canonized yeah. into batman's yeah. like main lore. yeah i can understand that but like you know even if phantasm is not like used that much you can you can still just appreciate the phantasm just by watching this movie and just be satisfied of the phantasm's usage in this movie and um yeah like that's the thing though is that a lot of times when you get your wish is you often get it uh more than you asked for and i'm glad that phantasm is not one of those characters that's just been overutilized and that makes watching this movie more special they're just like oh my god this this character is so good that you want to see more but i feel like a lot of times it should be it should stay like that like it just wants if you leaves you wanting more than I mean, to elaborate on what I meant when I said, like, I didn't, I, I feel like the movie uses the phantasm perfectly. I feel like it's, it's definitely more of the situation of like, yes, I do wish I got more of this, like, 
character and seeing it more in action not like the situation of like i want to see it everywhere and i want to watch it now uh just more that like i wouldn't complain if there was more of the phantasm in it and if i got to see more of the phantasm just be mysterious and do its thing that like i feel like that's 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 more of what i'd want because like honestly again if this if the phantasm didn't appear in anything else and this was the only thing that i got i would still be happy with what i got because the character was cool as it was served its purpose purpose and served its purpose perfectly and then left because i didn't you don't necessarily need more of it if anything it's again it's a want at that point uh not something that's like you know has to permeate throughout you know the rest of uh batman's mythos but i do appreciate it having existed and having it there whether it's i i would obviously wish it were canon to some extent more you know recognized and within comics itself it's one of those things where it's like i am still happy with the adaption that i got uh, or not adaption but you know what i mean uh like i'm still happy with what i got and the character that i got and having that character in existence is just a treat in and of, in and of itself so like it it's something i do genuinely love i just obviously i can always wish for more and obviously i will but it's not something that i necessarily need well if it makes you a little happy, Andrea does appear as the Phantasm again in uh and uh, I believe is one of the uh Batman Beyond episodes in Justice League Unlimited. Basically, uh Bruce Tim wanted to put like a finale episode on the Batman Beyond series because Batman Beyond got cancelled. Oh my god, I don't I'm not gonna get into that. But um, yeah, he they basically was able to put like a nice little knot on it, and basically you could just see her again as the phantasm, basically trying to uh recreate uh the tragedy of Bruce Wayne with uh Terry McGinnon, McGinnis shit, but yes, basically uh that's a like a whole other plot that will take forever to explain, but uh yeah, you get to see her again, and um she basically. Uh, uh, at first takes part in the plan to make Terry the new Batman by murdering murdering Terry's parents but at last minute like you know she refused she just realized that you know this is not what Batman stands for and it's a nice cameo but like I could kind of like you know understand if someone sees that cameo and just wonders what have you been doing like all these years like you know you're still you're still wearing like the phantasm suit so what have you been doing so i can kind of see that but you know she was used again though she didn't speak in that role so which is kind of sad speaking of things i'm missing out on let's not miss out on this ending sean's killing goddamn i deserve a goddamn medal for that uh so andrea tracks down joker her father's killer to his hideout in gotham's abandoned world's fair they fight but are interrupted by batman who begs andrea to stop to no avail joker prepares to blow up the fair but is seized by andrea who bids batman goodbye having barely survived the blast batman finds no trace of either andrea or the joker Bruce is later consoled by Alfred in the Batcave, who assures him Andrea could not have been helped before finding Andrea's locket containing a picture of them together. A sorrowful Andrea departs Gotham and a saddened Batman, cleared of the accusations against him, resumes his crime fighting. The end.
and it is a very very strong finale um i think joker's use is also really important in the finale finale because now looking back at it after that conversation i also think like how much more boring it would be in the whole world's fair setting if you didn't have that chaotic third force between them um and that classic i'm a sucker for any time there is a I'm fighting you, but I'm also fighting the person who's trying to kill you, who doesn't want to kill me, but wants to kill you. Like, that whole, like, triangle, anytime that comes up in something, it's, it's, it's just really entertaining. I still appreciate how sad and mysterious the ending still is, because obviously you get, like, this, you get the ending is just sad. It's kind of like it's not even really a happy ending for anybody, because, you know, Bruce doesn't get, get what he wants. Andrea kind of gets what she wants, but, you know, is really leading a life that isn't suitable for anyone really if i can posit a slightly positive spin on it um i think overall you're right it's kind of a sad ending but in the scheme of like i mean obviously we you know joker's alive joker subsequently shows up in the dcau plenty but um when you have the scenario where about you know minute before the ending bruce believes that the love of his life is dead and completely fell victim um to her to her demons and to her past um, whereas you eventually find out that she not only survived, but is leaving Gotham and is, while she has already killed most of the people she had a vendetta against, has, is leaving behind killing the Joker. Maybe because she falsely believes it, but I mean, there's, again, within the larger continuity, Joker loses head plenty. If she wanted to, she could have come back, yada, yada, yada. I feel like there's an element of, while it may not be the traditional happy ending where the guy gets the girl, I actually think this movie does a better job displaying a happy a sort of happy ending for Bruce Wayne that I think in general I am more than ready to have a happy Bruce Wayne even if it's not a traditional happy um I in general comic books and let him fucking marry Catwoman like let him just like we get it he's sad like there's fucking decades of that material I don't need it and I like that this movie while it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending it feels like you get to see that while he's still Batman there's almost an element of peace he came to and that he may have actually been able to help Andrea. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to fight you to, de- to the death, Matt. Uh, one of the things I do definitely like uh, is just the setting of the World's Fair while it is definitely on the nose of, like, you know, what it's thematically representing. Um, uh, I do kind of like the idea of showing it how it's, like, you know, in the beginning you see it as, like, this really happy, cool, like, Disneyland-esque world, and then by the end of it you see it's, like, tarnished, destroyed obviously gets blown up eventually but like uh it's just while that is on the nose i do kind of like like that that sort of setting of seeing like you know in the beginning it's seen as this bright future that you could have had in terms of bruce wayne and then like it ends with you know essentially all of that being you know destroyed and it's gone uh so what could have been really isn't uh so i just i while that is like such a fairly obvious on the nose kind of like theme i like that it was put into the setting itself as opposed to i i I like that they decided to put it into the setting and it did lead to a lot of like very cool background art and designs that i think were really amazing to see also to see them essentially go full out with art deco style and kind of like really go hard with it in a certain setting so it's just neat i don't mind it i don't think it's like it is on the nose but it's like it's very passable because they built that place up in the beginning and um it's just a really cool setting to you know have these like giant set pieces for the fights and so yeah like the, you know it's a little on the nose but they utilized it to its fullest potential 
And so I don't really mind it because like, it was still a cool setting for them to be in, you know, to have their to have their grand finale. And um, yeah, as you said, it's a really cool setting. Basically seeing this like one scene utopia being like a rusted wasteland. And also seeing the Batman and Joker. Just have That's what I wanted battle. to bring up. Whoa, I love it. that fight scene. As brief as it is of them fighting over the little setup tiny world i also love the attention to detail of when like a after the point of joker getting kicked in the face he loses the tooth and for the rest of the time you see him he's missing a tooth oh that uh the initial hit that like made him lose his tooth in the first place that was fantastic basically batman just kicks him in the face and you see blood splatter and you see his tooth fall out that was that, awesome. that whole scene that whole like fight between them is impeccable i have yeah. i have no notes they also fight with like their ideal styles like joker is even though he is fighting he also seems like he's having a great time doing so oh but like um i actually want to talk about like uh the ending a little bit and i guess you could make a positive spin toward toward it but like there uh bruce's reaction to seeing the locket and then uh andrea's re uh andrea's response to the guy saying uh are you alone or do you want to be left alone and she just says i am is it's just really sad it's just it just looks like they just both accepted the fact that just like their future together is impossible and that just they just won't be happy there definitely is some kind of positive read on that in the sense of like it's it's really about them letting go and there is some positivity in letting go and moving moving on from something but at the same time you know it, it is something that's very clearly painful for both characters involved. And, you know, them moving on from that situation really is only positive if they make it positive. And it's, you know, where the movie leaves off, you don't know where that goes. You don't know if they ever, uh, you know, turn around and, and make something positive of that and fully move on and become happy elsewhere or not. You know, I th I think there's definitely a positive read on it, but I think it comes across very somber either way. Yeah, it's it's I think it's more tragic because you saw what could have been. You saw what could have been. You, you saw what they could have had. And it's just the fact that, like, they just accepted that they can't have it. It's just really, really sad because they they both could have been so much happier for, i mean for my money the best scene in the movie is is you talked about it a little bit earlier but bruce pleading at his parents gravestone to, you know i didn't see this coming i didn't count on being happy please tell me it's okay looking from this like permission that ultimately only he can give himself to move on and to actually live a life um and the sad irony you know of like any decent parent wouldn't would want him to be wouldn't want this they would want him to be happy they'd be love andrea um and that is just such a powerful that is like to me that is like the batman scene i think it made me not just this movie but like any batman movie is him and begging at that gravestone just, just please can i be happy like and not letting himself that scene really i i mean that really like summarizes my point that like this movie gives Batman the emotional depth that he deserves as a character because the the emotions there it's just not shown a lot and this actually gives you the showing him have the this inner uh, battle with himself and 
in his mind it's kind of external because it's him and his parents when in reality it's him uh you know stunting himself from being able to be happy and i think i it's just this is like that's one of the reasons why i think this is like nearly a perfect batman movie is just that like we really have not seen many batman portrayals where he's given that depth and had moments where he can really show that and break down and and like you said like plead for for his parents to let him pursue happiness i mean this movie lets him like i said i talked about earlier i want to see a batman that grows i would like to see a batman that gets to that happiness and while he doesn't necessarily have that per se at the end of this this movie is so good because in a 78 minute runtime they batman has bruce has two different arcs he has his flashback arc of dealing with the confliction in his heart about keep whether or not he can keep his promise or if he loves andrea and wants to be with her and then you have his arc in the present day of letting go of trying to help her and also to an extent just letting go of what he can't control i think um and that's something that the the, the two timelines are interspersed so perfectly um so seamlessly but it, it's really incredible what this movie can accomplish in terms of bruce's arcs plural in terms of andrea um in just in literally 78 minutes an insanely short runtime. it just just shows like the mastery of you know both like bruce tim and paul dini and all the other uh directors and writers they they just really care they really care about you know showing the best uh, ever like portrayal of you know the heroes they they decide to like work on like batman superman it's it's honestly so appreciated like watching these, watching like all of like the well, not all of the Bruce Tim movies, but like the P- Bruce Tim and Paul Dini like projects they made together, like the you know the Batman anime series and the Justice League series, it's it's amazing. Like all the characters are incredible. They're all in depth. They they're all likable, and you just want to see the happiest for you. Just want to see all of them be happy, basically. All right, boys, I think it's time to wrap this boy up. So, what are your favorite things, your least favorite things, and would you recommend this grand movie? Well, I guess my favorite thing would be um, Bruce uh, Bruce and Andrea's relationship because, honestly, when they are together, it was like almost watching like an entirely different movie. They're, they're, just so, they're really happy together, and you just get this f- like warm feeling that's just seeing Bruce happy and seeing Andrea happy. Like, honestly... You you just wish that they can just you know put aside their differences and just be together and just be happy, normal people. But ultimately they can't, and that's another thing. I'm like it's just the tragedy of it all. It's just all ultimately they can't. And even though they are both saddened by it, it is what is necessary. And there's nothing I really dislike. And yeah, I recommend this movie. Uh, my favorite thing is that I just really admire uh the creative mind that the creative minds of this story that did something original you know they they didn't just adapt any other batman story or character they made their own character they made it relevant to bruce as a character and to do it so well that it becomes an iconic thing that like you can't have a conversation about batman and batman movies without thinking about this like it's become such an iconic um 
part of the Batman character, and I think that them doing something original when there was already such a wealth of of Batman stories is very admirable, in my opinion. Uh, my least favorite thing is, it's very nitpicky, but like we mentioned earlier, I think just seeing a little bit more of Phantasm in action would have been cool, but even that is a very minor complaint. And I would absolutely recommend this movie. I love Batman very dearly. He's a very important character to me. And this movie, I think, really... I'm starting to get emotional right now. But (laughs) this movie, I think, really shows the emotional spectrum that I think Batman as a character deserves. And it means a lot to me to see that. I think in terms of saying anything negative about the movie, it's goddamn hard. Um... In the interest of saying something, I think, I mean, Andrea being the phantasm in terms of being a reveal or a twist is it's pretty obvious. Um, but that said, I don't think that's really the point. Like, I mean, they do keep it under wraps and all, but in general, like, don't get me wrong, I love being shocked by something. I love a good twist and a reveal that I don't see coming. It's so much fun. But at the same time, a lot of those oftentimes it's rare that you get one that is both that and also emotionally resident and if i'm picking either or i would much rather have something that is that i see coming a mile away like this but is so emotionally resonant and what and is still a shock to the characters and it's definitely a shock to bruce um i would take that over an empty reveal in a heartbeat and this is definitely not hollow i want to go repeat that a little bit as in like um they don't really like conceal it that well but yeah it isn't the point i think the point is that you don't want it to be her you don't want it to because it just in the middle they just it seems like they reconcile and they're going to be together again and it just seems like you know they're going to pick up pick up where they left off of just being happy together and you just don't want her to be the phantasm because if she is then they they can't be together and the eventual reveal of her being a phantasm, although it's not surprising, is heartbreaking. It's one of those things that Bruce, who is otherwise such a detective, I think is so distracted and blinded by his love for Andrea and his hope for that, that he falls through the obvious red herring of it being her father. Not even, like, you you could sit there and be like a dick and be like, well, why doesn't he look into her father? Like, that her father's dead, but, but, but like, it's just he's so, like you said, he, he, he doesn't want it to be, so you don't want it to be even if you kind of know it is. Um, And ultimately, my favorite thing about this movie is actually going to be, like, the setting of it and the sets of it. Um, Sean talked about it. You guys talked about it earlier. It may be a little on the nose, but, like, the world with the World's Fair and and the whole World of Tomorrow setting, but that, like, idealizes domesticity um, that he feels that they were so close to, but ultimately on a, literally on a track that pulls them away from it in the end, to then seeing it dilapidated and run down, and then ultimately with the realization that he can't save Andrea it blowing up entirely and no longer being present at all. Um, I think that seeps into the look of Gotham with its huge curved architecture um, in a way that almost mirrors the size and shape, I think, of characters like the Phantasm and like Batman um, that look like they belong on those buildings. And this, this huge, almost futuristic, promising look. And there's like these cars, but also it's so dimly lit that it also kind of emphasizes this false promise um the false promise of of that of love of happiness of um a lot of a lot of things you could say um 
potentially Bruce really having a false promise that he can ever truly fulfill, like that he can ever truly stop crime and totally fulfill what his parents want, especially since he may not even, he doesn't really know. They died when he was young. Um, in Alfred says it at the end of the movie, like at, talking about the line that he, he walks um, of, you know, staring over the abyss at vengeance um, as it pans out and you see the Batcave as this visual representation of the cliff that this man is on every day where he gets to be kind of have the mask off and the suit on and get to be both parts that make him who he is as we talked about earlier um the sets of when when he's with andrea and it's the only time that it's daytime out and you see like the wide open backyard of the mansion and everything's open and clear and light and happy it just all is used so perfectly even if it can be on the nose it's so wonderful it's got to be my favorite element of the movie of course i recommend i mean if you've been listening for the last 60 to 90 minutes like second of course i recommend i recommend this i recommend batman the Animated series as a whole i recommend the dcau as a whole um a lot of that i mean there's some stuff here and there maybe that's spotty but as a general it's worth watching through um and at the very least, watch Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, and I, there's not really much I can add to any of this conversation at this point. But, like, yeah, I, I'd have to say that, like, my favorite thing out of anything in this movie is just the art style, the art design, the backgrounds, everything being so masterfully created and it meshing so well together to create this its genuine own style that so many people can look back on and associate with it. Uh, that I really feel it just adds to the timelessness and just the this this movie and it being like you know considered one of the quintessential uh, adaptions of Batman that it's just it's such a I there's nothing that I can really compare it to uh, least favorite thing I know Jason already talked about this but it's it's just that like it's not even anything that's even bad it's just I would have liked more Phantasm it's nothing that they did wrong they didn't do anything wrong I just would have liked more Phantasm uh, and would I recommend yes 100% so yeah we've got all of our opinions in Matt has one more thing I just want to say that um, if you made it this far first congratulations for making it this far second reevaluate your life choices well you know at this point i'm not sure they have many but thank you very much for listening um if you did enjoy this movie you should watch the other animated uh bruce tim uh projects such as well of course the batman animated series seasons one through four uh four is a bit of a whiplash because of the artistic change but still very good then you should move on to the um the Justice League series. Hey, hey, don't leave out Superman the Animated Series. Oh, or Static Shock. Oh, very true. So there's a few of them I forgot. Thank you, Jake, so much. So there's also Batman the Animated Series. Very much unappreciated. It's still very, very good. And if you're not a Superman geek, you know, Batman does make uh, occasional appearances there. So I hope that makes you happy. Uh, Static Shock incredible show and uh of course i mentioned justice justice league and it's a sequel series justice league unlimited and my personal favorite batman beyond you should go without saying you probably heard of it already go watch it please <laughs> jeez He's so passionate i respect it all right so uh i'll give us our little outro so uh we'd like to give a thank you to uh at vodmort for our art or did you ever ask how he pronounces that no i still have not confirmed with alo how we say is at but it's v-o-d-m-o-r-t-e very talented and i will also plug uh jake's letterbox at uh jake walter 98 
where you can uh, see all of his beautiful, beautiful movie reviews. And then, uh, Jason, if you'd like to include your things while you are still naked. Yeah, I was going to say this is going to be my first time doing a plug while shirtless. Um, I make music. Well, a plug on the podcast, that is. Oh, butt plugs. Um, <laughs> big fan. Anyway, uh, I make music. I made the intro outro music for this podcast. Um, if you've made it this far, you've already heard it. And uh, it's from a song called Pins and Needles that I'm working very hard on from an EP I'm making called Cult Classic. Uh, that'll be out whenever it's out. Um, you'll know, you'll I'd, plug it. I'd appreciate it if anyone listened. Uh, it's, I, I make music under the name The Upsides, the ups, the underscore Upsides PA on Twitter, The Upsides PA on Instagram. You can find me on SoundCloud, just The Upsides. There we go. Uh, all right. If you are interested in continuing to check us out, you can follow us at IlliteratePod on both Twitter and Instagram. You can- It's Illiterate underscore pod. Fuck off. Okay, the underscore is important for them to find us. Okay. At Illiterate underscore pod on both Twitter and Instagram, we post many things on both of them. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> you could also reach us at culturally illiterate pod at gmail.com, and all episodes will be on YouTube as well as on our culturally illiterate podcast channel. We will be back next episode to talk about Batman Forever. Really getting a string of Batman, I'm loving it. <laughs>